from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast How much screen time is too much screen time that's something there's no real clear answer for For today's episode, we're bringing back one of our old episodes on how to deal with children using technology. There are a group of people, children, adults, both, who have a phenomena known as behavioral addiction. This was even before the pandemic. Internet gaming disorder, uh, fear of missing out, you know, the conventional FOMO business, constantly checking your emails 20 times a day uh addiction to social media uh, social media sites uh, pornography texting sexting to the extent that the new classificatory systems in mental health have actually included this as a condition largely known as behavioral addictions so there will be a certain group of people children and adults who may have this behavior amounting to the level of an addiction who perhaps need professional assessment assistance and intervention it will take about a year or two for the impact that the pandemic has had on this whole framework of the digital world and digital learning online learning and the screen uh, to actually find its own level uh, going forward The concern over how much time children should spend in front of a screen has been around since the time of the television. Now, there's the television, the tablet, the mobile phone and possibly even an e-reader in the equation. The term screen time has never been a bigger concern for parents and schools. No one's quite sure how much time a child should be allowed to use a device and when they need to start worrying about a child's well-being. There's also no one better to answer those doubts than Dr. Shekhar Sheshadri. who you heard at the start of the episode he's a child psychiatrist with over 35 years of experience in the field of child mental health and is the head of child and adolescent psychiatry at nimhans india's premium mental health institute in bengaluru he tells my colleague amita vasanyal that the amount of time a child should spend in front of a screen should vary as per their age in the preschool age the total amount of screen time should be about 90 to 120 minutes in a day and that to not continuously in four or five segments of 15 to 20 minutes each the 6 to 9 you can extend it to 3 to 4 hours and the 10 11 12 to you know 4 to 6 hours and then the 7 8 hours however dr sheshadri says that parents don't have to worry about adhering to these norms perfectly they are not carved in stone uh, you know to say if it's exactly 90 minutes you don't have to put a stopwatch to say oh my gosh it's 92 minutes now have i done 2 minutes extra um, it's it's not exact or rigid in that sense so what it essentially means is if 90 minutes to 2 hours are recommended for a 6 year old a 6 year old certainly should not be on the screen for let's say 5 hours but you know can it be 2 hours 15 minutes or 2 and 1/2 hours yes there are recommendations there are guidelines in a year where children are returning to physical schooling after 2 years of completely disrupted learning 
Amitava Sanyal spoke with Dr. Sheshadri about how these two years have changed how children learn and how that in turn has changed children. In this episode, Dr. Sheshadri talks about how to tell if your child is suffering from an addiction to devices. He explains why young children are the biggest concern presently and how screen-based devices can also be used to educate children. To start with, Dr. Sheshadri tells Amitava that it's difficult to assess the full impact that the restrictions and lack of social behavior have had on younger children. He says schools are complaining about increased aggression levels among children who are returning for a new academic year. He also explains why a child watching something on a screen doesn't always translate into learning. Our concern has been about the preschoolers, particularly the three, four, five, six-year-olds. Very critical age uh, in terms of readiness skills and preparation for socialization more than school. The evolutionary developmental impact of the pandemic, the lockdown, schools being closed, more time on the screens, what it might have done to social learning and social development is something that's going to unfold perhaps two, three, four years from now. Uh, many of the kids uh, who were, uh, let's say, five or six years old when the pandemic hit and who are now seven, eight. If you look at their social behaviors, we are increasingly getting uh, requests from schools saying that the aggression is intolerable. It's almost like there was a desperation to rediscover uh, contact and, and, and social spaces, even if it meant through pushing and shoving in. This has serious developmental psychology implications in terms of the social skills of these kids going ahead when they enter into pre-adolescence because a critical period of socialization has been lost. Stimulation or exposure to social experience is not necessarily a visual or an oral experience. There is a difference between a three-year-old who is sitting in front of the television screen and watching images and hearing something which this child may or may not understand, unless it is processed, it does not get converted into knowledge. So what happens is you see an object, your brain perceives the object. If someone processes it, it gets converted to a meaning if you demonstrate its use then the meaning gets meta process and you have an overall idea of what that object is but if that does not happen it is merely an object with no other properties that you can recognize even a healthy normal child if you put the child away in a forest with enough nutrition and food but no one to play with and no one uh, to speak to the child will not learn language which is why children who have hearing deficit cannot speak because you cannot hear. You learn to speak because you hear, which is why if I were to speak to you in some strange language, you may understand it at sound, but you can't comprehend it uh, because it hasn't been processed. So this is the reason why uh, the differentiation of screen time between active processing 
children have a gift of of natural learning you know because uh, children are natural born philosophers they have the gift of curiosity and wonder that's who a philosopher is for a child even a discarded toffee wrapper is a plaything because it has texture it has sound and it takes flight when you drop it and and sometimes we say there are three processes that systematically destroy this gift they are called parenting education and growing up you said you were more concerned about 3 4 5 6 year olds can you explain through science why those are the formative years and why parents should be even more careful during that time maximum brain development occurs in the first 3 years of life the, what we call is the cyto architecture uh almost 90% uh the remaining 10% of our pathetic adult existence is only that 10% it's it's only embellishment of that knowledge but the basic foundation is laid in the first 3 years of life uh and that's where early stimulation early identification red flags of, of uh, slow learning red flags of disability are so important because the earlier you intervene uh the more the chances are that the the gap will be closed and you can uh mainstream the child in in question if you look at the 0 to 6 and you look at the 0 to 3 on one hand where this takes place and the 3 to 6 where the consolidation occurs because that's where hand skills pincer grasp that which is why in our early education systems if you emphasize only on on rote learning but not on use of hands and of concepts when they come to first grade at age 6 they don't have readiness skills to to hold a pen and write and then they they have a writing disability and you translate that uh, to uh, 23 years or uh, 20 years later uh, to the doctor who's intelligent and finishes mbbs but writes a prescription that no one can read except for the local pharmacist Dr Sheshadri says even when a young child is with a screen based device a parent needs to be there with them to help them understand things and if parents have the time they can even use these devices better he also explains how parents and teachers can spot addiction among children as well as how to deal with it so it's not just passive viewing either a parent sits and processes comments takes the child's opinion now these are called meta processes so there is a primary experience of watching listening you process it by discussing sharing opinions getting opinions then you meta processes what does it mean how will we apply it what do you remember or what you studied yesterday and these 5 to 6 segments of 15 to 20 minutes where they may have screen time or do online learning are interspersed with social experiences of play of games of songs uh, of of dance of conversation subvert the medium use the phone to talk to grandma or make a video call to the relative in the, in the us given the time difference have a conversation so build on social skills do creative stuff using the screen and this essentially boils down to the fundamental question of the purpose of education the purpose of education is the development of an egalitarian personhood 
the development of a socially responsive and responsible citizen and the development of an identity that is imbued with aesthetic sensibility, art, literature, music, poetry, theater, dance, nature, uh, which are all sensory experiences. So to basically feed into the sensorial world uh, of the child in addition would be the kind of stuff that we would be advocating as we emerge from what has been an unusual time uh, for entire uh, humanity. How can parents and school teachers spot uh, screen time or technology addiction? What are the symptoms of that addiction? When should they actually intervene or possibly consult uh, a child psychiatrist? The, f the first red flag, of course, is the quantum of time. That group uh, of children or adolescents who have serious behavioral addiction are the kind of children who spend anywhere from 8 to 14, 15, 16 hours either on the phone or the screen. Because if you're spending 14 hours uh, you know, on the screen, that leaves only 10 hours. You take 8 hours for sleep. There's hardly any time for socialization. There. So avoidance of peer interaction, uh, disturbance in sleep patterns, working late uh, on the screen. But if a 13, 14-year-old is spending, let's say, 10 to 14 hours, sometimes three to four hours continuously, or missing meals and not sleeping, there is a deliberate extending of the sleep patterns, and the sleep pattern gets such that you're awake the whole night and you're sleeping during the day. So this kind of excessive daytime sleepiness uh, uh, is an indication, obviously, that uh, a kid has been staying awake whole night. Now, the idea is why is he or she staying awake the whole night? And then you get into an inquiry uh, or an ass uh, assessment process by which you figure out that. Or where the problem has reached the stage of argumentation and aggressivity of, uh, you know, disruption, breaking stuff. And the parents try to control or manage the screen time or, you know, or cut the internet and so on, and then there is a protest, and the protest culminates in aggressivity. Protest can take the form of withdrawal, sulking, refusing to eat, and so on. So once these behavioral differences are spotted, what's the best way that a parent or even a teacher now can actually help the child moderate the time? By and large, for any such behavior, there are four very critical processes the first is context establishment. Uh, if a child who has anger or uh, excessive mobile phone use uh, says, uh, I have no issues. Uh, why have you therefore been brought to the mental health professional? I wouldn't know. You better ask my parents. Consensus building. I agree that my anger uh, is an issue. I, or I agree that, yes, uh, you know, perhaps I spend a lot of time with motivation enhancement. Perhaps there is some um, substance to what they say, uh, but I need to be with my friends. You know, I'm not going to give it up. Or, or uh, how come he spends so much of time in any case on the phone? And why is it a problem if I do it? Insight facilitation. I recognize this is a problem. I wish to do something about it. Then, then we get into an assessment 
process, uh, part of which involves uh, time management. This is not to say uh, stop screen time uh, entirely. Uh, it's a question of time management. It's a family plan. It's, a, it's an agreement on time that can be spent on other forms of uh, interesting, exhilarating uh, activities. Um, and then the amount of engagement uh, comes down uh, from 14 hours a day uh, to 11 hours. And then the parents say, uh, you know, even now he's 11 hours on the phone. Uh, but excuse me, it's three hours less. The process of change has started. So let's recognize the process of change and not look at a dramatic uh, reduction in a dramatically short period of time. Like Dr. Sheshadri explained, screen-based learning can be used well to teach important things. But he says ultimately, we need to foster what he calls a culture of conversation with children. He also explains what parents need to focus on when they take time out of their busy schedules for their children. So how do parents actually differentiate between good screen time or bad screen time? Or is there any such differentiation that they should do? This has been a vexing uh, issue, uh, particularly with uh, the extent of uh, platforms that are available. What is the extent to which content uh, can, can and should be censored? Particular concern has been expressed on a couple of two issues. One is the issue of aggression and violence, and the other is the issue of sex and sexuality. There has been a lot of resistance uh, to the whole issue of uh, sexuality education, particularly where adolescents were concerned and, and uh, you know, many people in, in the school sector feel that uh, it's not necessary to go into, in, into detail. One of the responses to that was that if you think information is a problem, try ignorance. How can information be more of a problem than ignorance? And the problem with the content of these kind of programs is that it tended to equate uh, sex and sexuality with reproductive biology. But sexuality is much more than that. It's about relationships, about love, uh, commitment, uh, aesthetics, uh, communication. The body aspect of sexuality and its genital aspect is one part. And this is where we feel that having a culture of conversations is important because adults' relationship with children, teachers' relationship with students, often is constructed on the basis of a culture of instruction, expectation, control, and obedience, not on the culture of conversations. You can come and speak to me about anything. If, if I have a response, I will give it to you. However, less discoursed or embarrassing it may be, uh, the embarrassment comes from our inability to speak to uh, adolescents when they bring up issues of, about relationships. What are difficult subjects or, or difficult contexts uh, can be really elegantly, eloquently and easily simplified 
in terms of interaction only if we had a culture of conversations. The medium of digital screens, it helps actually parents do that. Is that something that you say has made any difference in recent years? Is there any example that you can talk about from, from your experience? We cannot wish the medium away. We have to use, may I dare say, even subvert uh, the medium to address these kind of issues. The idea is to have a culture of conversations rather than uh, making decisions which are not informed. We are at least helping them make informed decision because of your openness to conversations. If that openness for conversation is not there uh, and your response is one of shutting them up, the message you're giving is we do not wish to discuss this or this should not be discussed. And what you're then doing is that you're creating silence and you're creating secrecy rather than an openness and a receptivity. And when there's openness and receptivity, your children will always come back to you because they know they will not be judged and they will be honest, genuine and uh, helpful responses that will help you process the many dilemmas and confusions that you have about people, about relationships and so on. How should parents actually change their day or is there a way that they should clock themselves um, in terms of keeping the time aside for their children? There is also the idea of a family consensus and a family plan as far as screen time is, is concerned. Now, this is also contingent on the amount of time that parents themselves spend uh, on the screen, either because of uh, imperatives of the job or because they are themselves surfing the net. It's not necessarily the job, whatever it is that they are surfing for. Now, what children are looking for are islands of direct interaction. Uh, one is not asking parents for a drastic uh, reduction of their screen time, especially if uh, it's, it's a job issue, if you can put that aside even for 15 to 20 minutes and spend meaningful time uh, with your child uh, in a manner that is playful and joyous, uh, not just for the child, but even for you, you can't fake this. Uh, children are masterly in diagnosing fakes. They, they are masterly in identifying inauthenticity. So if there is a spontaneous and a genuine joy uh, in, in, in being with your child, playing, talking, sharing experiences uh, of childhood and of anticipation, uh, of aspirations, it creates the buffer in otherwise uh, what the pandemic has done. So we need resets of this nature in our life to deliberately introduce rituals. Uh, by which children then uh, remember their childhood. Uh, it's a very simple issue. You ask any adult human being, what do you remember about your childhood? You'll remember that which is a memory, and a memory is something that happened very often, or it happened once, but it was so massively negative or so hugely joyous that it's unforgettable. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. 
We're available on TY Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at typodcast at timesinternet.in.